Hey there, and welcome back to the Equipoise podcast, where in 10 minutes or less, we try to bring balance to a topic that needs some. Today, we're going to be talking about the will of God. Recently, I put out a call for suggestions for episode topics. I received a few, and I'm really excited about the requests that I received. One of them was a form of a question that I've received both as a pastor and as a friend, perhaps more than any other question in my ministry. It is as follows. How do I know what God's will is for my life? A more nuanced way of asking this might be, how do I surrender my will over to God's will? Or how do I know what God has called me to do? But in general, it's stated as plainly as, what is God's will for me and how can I know what it is? Now, I'm going to sort of define my terms here before proceeding. In talking about the will of God, I'm not speaking to the more innovative and creative solution to some belief systems, theological conundrums with regards to God's sovereignty, such as God's decretive will versus his commanding will, and so forth. While I recognize there's a lot to be said about this topic, it dovetails far too easily into the Calvinism and Arminianism discussion, one that I avoided on my podcast for a reason. So, I'm not going to get into all of that. Just know that when I talk about God's will for one's life, I'm not talking about any high-level, zoomed-out, cosmic discussions about human volition or anything like that. I'm keeping this fenced in to the following very personal and individual question, how do I know God's will for my life? I'm going to be extra straightforward in my initial answer here. I think that the very fact that this well-intentioned and sincere question is even put forward at all is the result of decades and maybe even centuries of well-meaning but imbalanced teaching in pulpits and classrooms and living rooms all around the world. Let me explain. The reason I think this is a noble but ultimately unhelpful question is because it rests on a relatively novel premise that is nowhere found in Scripture, that God has a specific ideal roadmap charted out for each human life that is missable, although sometimes reobtainable with repentance, that God himself somehow exists in a future that it itself does not exist yet and is directing us to get on track or on course to a particular vocation or position or even potential spouse to which we are supernaturally appointed and will give us nudges or inclinations of some sort until we are, in fact, the veterinarian we're supposed to be, or the missionary we're called to be, or the bank teller we're appointed to be, and we won't miss it as long as we are, quote, sensitive to his will. I reject this premise on account that I do not believe that Scripture teaches it, and on account that it is temporally and chronologically impractical and even impossible. Ultimately, though, I reject the notion that God has a singular, albeit highly complex, will or pathway for each of our individual lives that exist arbitrary to our own until we choose to align ourselves with it, jumping into the jet stream from our own will to God's will for our lives, so to speak. Now, that's not to say I don't believe God works in mysterious ways to intervene and direct us down a certain path at times. I do. That position would be the other extreme. There's almost a sense of deism loaded into a statement like, just do whatever, and whatever you're doing is God's will. He doesn't really care what you do. As long as you're not sinning, just float through life, and you're all set. Well, if the first extreme errs on the side of fatalism and exclusive predetermination, this other extreme fails on account of its aimlessness and lethargy. There is, in fact, a balance. So, the question, what is God's will for each of our lives? If we approach scripture with this question, we'll find it provides an answer far less subject to the whims of our individual inquiries and substantially more helpful. When the scripture speaks of God's will, we are not exposed to a navigational array of pinpoints and milestones on a map. 
Rather, we are given instructions about general behaviors about how we treat each other. For instance, the will of God according to 1 Thessalonians 5.18 is that we give thanks. Flip back just one chapter and you'll read that the will of God is to abstain from sexual immorality. Peter says in his second epistle that doing good works is the will of God. Micah preached that God wanted his people to practice justice, be kind, and walk humbly with God. Now, these aren't quite as exciting as the questions of where does God want me to work or who does God want me to marry, but that's ultimately part of the problem. You see, in my experience, it seems that when we ask what God's will is today, we're not really asking about timeless scriptural truths, but are seeking directions about very specific and personal choices that lie ahead of us. To describe it more crudely but accurately, we are treating God as a magic eight ball, however noble our intentions might be, seeking clear direction about various forks in the road and essentially hoping he will make the right decision for us and then reveal it to us. Young people might want to know which college to attend or what person to marry. Parents might be wondering if it's God's will for them to homeschool or something else. Newly married couples might be praying about which place to rent. Families might be wondering about which church to join. And naturally, we fear making the wrong decision, so we understandably ask, what does God want me to do here? And we pray and maybe even fast as we seek his will because we believe that if we align our decision with his will on the matter, we will make the right choice. After all, if we trust God and lean not unto our own understanding, he will direct our paths, right? He'll help us make the right choice and not the wrong one? Well, the unfortunate misunderstanding and less than helpful translation of that particular proverb notwithstanding, I do believe that such an approach is ultimately imbalanced and might actually lead to some negative outcomes. Here's what I mean. For instance, when I was talking to my wife about this, she brought up one problem with this that is unfortunately prevalent in our circles, marriage. I personally heard some couples excuse divorce on account of the fact that their spouse, quote, wasn't God's will. They prayed and fasted, but ultimately picked the wrong one, and now it's time for a mulligan. Maybe they'll get it right next time, or at the very least, they'll stay married, but they're desperately unhappy in their marriage, convinced that fate itself is against them, and they'll never be truly happy because it, quote, wasn't God's will for them to wed in the first place. Now, while I concede that some marriages that happen are ill-advised for any number of reasons, I nonetheless assert that if we view God's will from a scriptural vantage rather than an imbalanced one, there is much more hope for that marriage in general. In the imbalanced or rather superstitious view of God's will, all is lost because he or she missed out on God's will and now they're stuck with the wrong person or they face a divorce, which also isn't God's will, so now there's a conundrum and a half. But in the scriptural view, God's will is for both of these people to follow Christ wholeheartedly and obey their vows to each other and fulfill their respective roles in their marriage with the man loving his wife as Christ loves the church and the wife submitting to her husband as the church submits to Christ in response. While I wouldn't dare to promise a simple remedy to any difficult marital situation, I think it's obvious which scenario offers the most hope. Another problem with what I call the divine dousing rod view of God's will is that when we encounter a vacuum of certainty after praying for God to reveal his will, and we generally will encounter a vacuum of certainty, we fill that vacuum up ourselves with little signs, sometimes literally, and indications that God is pointing in this or that direction. So consider the young man who was sure that God called him to pastor a church in Canada despite being woefully unqualified because he was praying for God to show him his will for his life. He opened up his Bible to Deuteronomy 2.3 where it says, you've made your way around this hill country long enough, now turn north. There it is, God's will. So he fumbles his way into a pastorate and destroys the church and his family all because God willed it. I've seen so many bad moves happen this way. 
So I hope you can see the plethora of problems that accompanies a view of God's will that involves God as a divine dousing rod, making every decision for us by illuminating the correct path ahead. Now, by way of reminder, I'm not saying that God can't or doesn't direct us specifically from time to time. I've got a story of my own where I believe he did that. But I'm talking about the normative general practice of treating God like an old Zotar fortune-telling machine to divine the future for us and to make each choice crystal clear. I believe that in our human responsibility and freedom, we have not only the privilege but the responsibility to make a wise, selfless, Christ-like, thoughtful choice from an array of possibilities couched in biblical wisdom and godly counsel instead of treating God's will like the mystery-shrouded object of a divine dowsing rod and hoping that God will essentially make the decision for us if we're surrendered enough. So my point is that instead of being paralyzed in a mire of indecision waiting for God to open or close a certain door and then tap you on the shoulder when it's done saying, this is my will, I think it's more likely that God gave you a Bible, trustworthy counsel, ears to hear, a brain to think, analyze, and consider, and hands that can turn doorknobs yourself just fine. So to the person pondering, praying, or even agonizing about what God's will is for your life, I, I won't say just pray and fast about it till God gives you an answer and tells you what his will is. I think that's lazy counsel that only compounds the confusion and gives way for some of the problems I just talked about. Instead, move forward in good conscience after analyzing your options, after seeking wise counsel from your spouse, parents, pastor, friends, and after applying scriptural wisdom where it is relevant to your situation. No divine dousing rod necessary. No mysterious arbitrary will of God to make or miss. All that remains is for you to embrace and properly steward the freedom that God has given you and live the life he's given you to the fullest as you develop and use your God-given talent to discover new opportunities to flourish and lovingly live out the life-changing gospel to the world around you. That, no matter what else, is the will of God for your life. So until next time, stay balanced.